All right, let's get into it. So last time I talked, we talked about stewarding the family. Um, we talked about the priest, the shepherd, and the warrior. Um, I, I kind of want to I want to hover on the shepherding part of it a little bit because uh, I was, I was, ha I had a conversation with someone in our network uh, yesterday, and him and I were talking, and we, I've known him for five or six years now, and he, we were talking and how when we look at the fivefold ministry in Ephesians four, sometimes the, um, sometimes we we put pastor, you know, the pastor, the teacher, but we we. I try to stay away from that, that title because that title is actually a, a, a title that's been kind of pushed on to the, the original title, and the original title is Shepherd. If you look at the, the original text of the, the Bible, the original title should be Shepherd. And we talked about that last week, how the shepherd is, is someone who is not um, so much teaching them, but he's guiding them. And we talked about how dads need to guide our kids. We need to guide our family. So when, as fathers, we need to, what we need to do, we need to be the spiritual head of the house. And what I mean by that is I'm not discounting women by any means because Paul says we need to submit to one another. How many of you guys know I submit to Sarah when it comes to prophetic? I know that she is gifted in that. God has given her the gift of that. And I submit to her gift because I know her gift is stronger than my gift. I think what happens is, is in, in life we try to... We try to be everything to everybody. Instead, we need to look and say, okay, who is strong in that gifting? And say, I'm going to lean on that person or I'm going to rely on that person. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to tap into their wisdom and their knowledge for my life. So when we're going through things, I'll just, be, like John is notorious for this. He'll come over, sit down, and he'll look at Sarah and go, what's God telling you now? <laughs> and, and, and so John will, will come down every now and then and say that. And Sarah's like, well, this, this, and this. And then she'll look back at him and go, what's God telling you, John? And then he's like, why are you He goes, I'm the one asking questions or something along that line. And, but leading our families is not, um, especially in our church, we, we value the, the role of women in leadership. Um, unlike some other places that may not, we value the role because husbands and wife in the Scripture, God said in Genesis, he said to man and woman, he said, I want you to rule, reign, be fruitful, multiply, and subdue the earth. He didn't say it to Adam. He's like, and Eve, help him out when he needs it. it this is a co-laboring, co-partnering with God. It talks about in Scripture that we are co-laborers with Christ. That means everybody is a co-laborer with Christ. And we don't relegate positions to the, their gender. And so when, we, when I'm talking about stewarding the family, I'm talking about men, we need to lead our families. Because the wife is, or it says the man is the head of the household, and, but the, the man is supposed to lead the family. And as I was having that conversation yesterday, we were talking about um, the role of, of, of women in um, leadership and, and just different things. But it, he was saying, he goes, when you look at Scripture, it says that Christ is on the throne next to the Father. That means there is a co they are one but they are different you know we got the whole the, the father son and the holy spirit they are one but they are unique personalities and we're talking about how in life we're co-rule co and co-reign so that doesn't mean that you know big throne little throne that means as husbands and wives as co-laborers in christ that we are, are to lead our families together and that when when we look at things i'm like there's times where I go to her, I'm like, I don't know, what do you think? I, I don't know what to do with that situation. 
and I just ask her, and she has wisdom in that. And then there's times she comes to me and says, what do you think? I'm like, eh, eh, this is what we need to do, or this is what we don't need to do. And then there's times where she's like, what do you think? And I said, I don't really care. Either way is not going to hurt us. And then I'll ask her, and she'll be like, I don't care, just do it. So it, it doesn't mean that I go to her and say, this is how we're going to do it, and this is when we're going to do it. I say to her, what do you think about this? And then there's sometimes where I ask for forgiveness later <laughs> because I, I did it without asking and getting her opinion on it. But it's about the, the stewarding and the shepherding of our families. And there's, a, there's an old saying that says, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. It's an old country song. I don't recommend country songs. You know, I'm just saying don't, don't, don't travel down that road. It's a, it's a gateway drug. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> um, no, that was my opinion on that one. Um, but it, it, that, that saying, if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Um, you know, our, we look at, if you have young kids, you look at the world and what is the world doing? It's influencing them. What, what, the world will tell you, hey, what, what do we do with our kids? We set them in front of the TV because they're our kids and we're here to help, re- we're going to raise your kids for you. There, our, our president keeps talking about, when they're talking about all this junk that they're putting into schools. Well, these are our kids. No, I'm sorry. They're, he's wrong. The government's wrong. These are not the government's kids. These are not. This is our kids. Our children are our children. Our choice to raise them the way that we want to raise them, not the government saying, oh, well, we'll help you raise them. Step off. That's all I got to say. <laughs> the, the problem is, is we have people trying to raise our kids for us and trying to influence our kids for us and saying, well, this is, a, this is what make a good citizen. I don't care what you think would make a good citizen. I want to know that my kid is, is going to be a good citizen in the kingdom of heaven, not a good citizen in the world. Yes, I don't want my kid to, to be crazy and to be in jail and, and all those things, but if we raise our children with godly principles, they will be a good citizen of the world, but also the main focus is being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And so there's so many influences, you know, we've got, you can set your kids in front of what we used to watch is when I was a kid, I used to watch Sesame Street. I can't, you can't even let your kids watch Sesame Street anymore half the time. The problem is, is the world has injected its own idea, ideas, sin nature into our, our, our world. And it's, it's starting to influence our children. It's starting to influence the next generation of kids. So if you're under 30, you probably have a few that are you know, little ones, if you have, if you're 40, 50 years old, most of your kids are going to be late teens and starting families. And so we have to look and say, okay, as, as when we have little ones, I need to find out what they're paying attention to, what they're watching, what they're doing, who's influencing them. My kids didn't go a lot of places. They didn't have a lot of friends over either. And if they did, it was like, they can be here for three hours and they got to get out. But no, I'm just kidding. Usually it was because they're like, we're done with our friends. Like, they can go home now, you know. <laughs> it was great because when Lana was a kid, she'd like, I want to have friends over. I'm like, oh, great. So she's going to be friends. With, she's going to hang out with them for two hours, get bored with them. And then Layla's going to entertain them for the next five hours. <laughs> yeah. Lana would have, I want to have a sleepover. She'd have like two friends over. She'd be in bed by 830 and the friends are still up. And she just, Lana would just get up and walk off and go to bed. And Layla's like, hi, I'm your entertainment for now. <laughs> But I, we needed to know who, are, who were friends with our kids. There was times where we said to our kids, that person is not going to be your friend. 
Sometimes that's hard to say to your kids, but we have to say it. We have to say, this is for your own good. This is going to protect you. This is going to be for the, the good of the family. Because what influences our kids when we're not with them will start to influence what happens in the home. When your kids go to school, what is influencing them that they bring back into the home? Sometimes your kid comes home, gets in the car, comes home from school. You're like, I need to cast the devil out before this kid comes back into the house because this child's been influenced by something that's not right. And I need to figure out what it is. So I remember when our kids were little, we would investigate, like Facebook stalking the parents. Like, who are these people? Where do they go? I'm like, oh, yep, that one's not going to be friends with our child. No offense, but they're not going to be friends because I don't want my child being in that area of influence at that house and being influenced, and I don't want that child influencing my child when they're in class together. We've been picky on our kids' friends. I was picky with my wife's friends. I said, you don't have any friends anymore because they're not your friends anymore. <laughs> they weren't good friends. And I, we raised our, our, our kids to understand and look for godly principles in people. You know, what happens is the influence comes in, but what we need to do is renew our minds. We need to teach our children to renew their minds in what God says. And how do we do that? Because when they're younger, they don't really understand the, pro, uh, the, the whole process of that. So it's our job to help them renew their minds. So it's our job to speak the Word of God in their lives. It's our job to help them learn Scripture. That's why we have Scripture memory uh, verses for children and teens. We want our kids to understand Scripture because when you start to read Scripture, start to understand Scripture, it helps renew your mind in what the Word of God says. And, and I think what happens is in culture church culture also is kids don't understand anything until after they've gotten out of the house and then they're like oh yeah I remember kind of remember that because we haven't done a good enough job of stewarding the home the way it should be and so our kids are struggling when they get into the the late teens early college and then they when they go to college all hell breaks loose and they're like well and we don't understand why it's because we didn't steward well what was given to us when we had them in the house and Sarah and I have, in the last couple, like the last year, have really started to talk more about what we did as parents. Because, our, we're, you know, we're doing that autopsy on our, our parenting and saying, okay, what did, we, what did we mess them up? How did we mess them up? And then where did we mess them up? Because we messed you guys up. I'm just saying, in some places, at one point or the other, we messed you guys up. Because we all do it. Unintentionally, we do it because of our past experiences, our past hurts. But we, we had to look and say, okay, yeah, we kind of, yeah. Put a little, you know, when Layla was like one year old, she was, Sarah was so um, OCD that Layla, when they were covered open, Layla would go, ah, 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 and just scream, and because and, and she saw the cover open, because she started to become OCD, because mom had to open the cupboard and flip the switches a hundred times, and you know. I'm free from that. Yeah, she's free from that. She only makes me do it like five times now, instead of a hundred times. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I know, I'm just kidding. But the things that we do unintentionally, because we're unaware of them, is how, we, is how we can lead our kids and how we can lead our families. And sometimes we don't know. Men, sometimes we don't know what we don't know because our dads didn't teach us that. Our dads didn't, some of our dads didn't teach us to be men of God. Some of our dads didn't teach us to be productive workers. Some of our dads didn't teach us how to, to be tender with your kids and love your kids 
They just taught you how to be rough with any kids. Oh, suck it up, Johnny. You're going to be fine and get back out there. Not you. Not you. Not you. <laughs> sorry, I was using a generic name and y- your name came up, Johnny. So, sorry. I love you, Johnny. <laughs> so, yeah, sorry. Sorry, I've, I've offended Johnny. He's going to be like, go, uh, boo, Matt. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm just kidding. But renewing our mind starts with Scripture. Renewing our children's mind starts with us teaching them Scripture, reading Scripture to them. Romans 12.1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you be may be proved by the testing. You may discern that the will of God is good and acceptable and perfect. Here's the thing is, the word, the will of God is good, acceptable, and perfect. They left the strongest word to the last. It is perfect. God's will is perfect. Our job is to learn how to f- get into the will of God. I think so many times we, we like to, you know, go alongside the will of God, and, and it's easy because we don't have to submit completely. We just see where God is moving, and we, we get in that next lane next to, him, next to it and just kind of ride along with it. But submitting to the will of God gets dirty, it gets uncomfortable, and when we finally pull into that lane where we actually submit ourselves to the perfect will of God, it gets dirty, it's uncomfortable, and sometimes there's things that we don't like about it. But when we float alongside of the will of God and we see all the good things happening, oh, it's just so good, and, but it's easy, and it's, it's easy to be part of, but submitting ourselves to the, w- the will of God and to what he says is not always easy. Because what happens is, is this, the, uh, we have to become less so he can become more. And the will of God only works in our lives when we submit ourselves to his will. It's not, it's not riding the coattails of his will. It's, it's submitting ourselves into his lane of, of where he is going and where he is telling us to go. You know, our lives can be influenced unknowingly. You guys ever just been doing something all of a sudden just something comes out of your mouth or uh, comes out of your life and you're like where did that come from like why did that happen and you have to and this is what sarah and i learned at at, like in our early 20s to really look at what was going on because there was things happening in our lives like why is this happening we started to examine our lives and say what is influencing us what is happening in our lives that's causing us to start to live like this? Because we weren't yet quite grounded in, what we knew, in who we were and what God was. So we had to really investigate that. And we started to look at the things that were in our life, the people that in our life. And we said, okay, we've got to start to cut out some things because some of these things are not good for us. And we want a healthy family. We want to have a good marriage. Because if we had stayed in that, we probably wouldn't be here today. We probably would have been divorced. Because what happens is the world tells you, well, you know, if it's just, if you've fallen out of love, you can just, you know, find someone that you can fall in love with again. Or we just weren't compatible. I'm sorry. Nobody is compatible with their spouse. (laughs) Nobody is. It's like taking two pieces of sandpaper and rubbing them again. (laughs) Everybody's like, the guys are like, yeah, yeah, it is. Zach, you can shake your head. Daphne's not here right now. She won't know. It's okay. (laughs) But it is. It, we are completely incompatible with each other. We have moments of compatibility, but it's learning how to join ourselves together to the will of God to become one flesh. One, and people are like, one flesh. That doesn't mean sex. One flesh means you're joining yourself together in spirit and body 
to become one flesh. And that means that you decide what is good for you has to be good for this person. What they decide has to be good for them has to be good for you. And so what happens is, is when we, we, we become married, we have to start to think of, of, of a group, not as two, not just one. And sometimes what happens is we get influenced by things that we don't even know are there because we're not aware of them. And that's where we, we, when we were going through that, we're like, okay, God, what are you, what's going on? Help us have eyes to see what's going on. And we did, and we said, okay, we have to remove things, change things, do these things, because it, you know, we had a, Layla was one at the time, and we're like, if we don't change something, our family is not going to be together. And we both come from messed up families, broken families, and we're like, we don't want to do this. You know, we've been married 22 years. That is the longest marriage of almost anybody in our families. I'm talking multiple generations of my family, multiple generations of her, well, a couple generations of your family. So I'm just saying is we had to make a choice for where we were going to steer our family. And we said, you know, we're not going to give in to all of this stuff. We're not going to give in to the whatever is cool for the season because it feels good at the moment, but it leads to death in the end. So we have to be aware of what is steering us. What is steering the ship of our family? What is steering the car of our family? Is it the Holy Spirit or is it the Spirit? You ever heard anybody said, the Spirit told me this. What Spirit are you listening to? Because the Spirit that you're listening to may not be the Holy Spirit. And when I, and when I talk to spirit, people and I'm like, okay, if somebody is leading me in a direction, telling me to give you a word, I'm going to tell you the Holy Spirit told me this. Because if I just said, this is what's going on, you know, I've seen the people where like, oh, the spirit moved. I'm like, yeah, that moved, but that was not a good move. Yeah. yeah. And what happens is, is this, is we become so influenced by spirits. Why do you think they call booze that spirits? Because when you start drinking enough booze, you're opened up to any spirit that will lead you and tell you what to do. So when we are being led by the Holy Spirit, we, it gives us direction of where we should go as a family. As a couple, as husband and wife, we need to have direction before we give direction to our children. You know, we, I talked about this a couple weeks ago. It says, uh, Proverbs 22, 6, train up a child in the way they will go and they won't depart from it. You know, I, Sarah and I were talking and we said, you know, we, we, we miss some things with our kids that we didn't teach them how to deal with properly, and they're having to learn as adults to deal with that. And it's, it's not a bad thing, but it's just some things that we missed that we said, oh, we could have done a better job, but they're learning as adults now how to deal with that thing that we probably could have taught them better. We're like, yep, we probably didn't do well on that, so we're not, now they're having to deal with that because they have, we gave them not enough experience or not enough wisdom on how to deal with that. And yes, it's our fault, but it's also a part of life because parents were not perfect. Mom, dads were not perfect. We can't teach our kids everything, but our kids are going to have learning experiences even as an adult. They're like, yeah, this sucks, but this is what has to happen, and this is what you're going to have to do to take care of that. Um, but we trained our kids up to love God. Here's the thing is, loving God 
training your kids up to love God can supersede a lot of things that we failed as parents. Yes, we, we fail in certain things, but teaching our children to love God is more important in the long run than missing a few little things when we're parents and we missed, didn't teach our kids the right things. Because what happens is this, if we teach our kids to love God, they become born again, the Holy Spirit can now work on them. And that's what, like, for us, it's like, okay, we miss things, but the Holy Spirit's going to give them wisdom either before they go into the situation or when they're going through the situation to be able to, to get out of that and to go through it properly. You know, we, we have chances every day to teach our kids. You know, even as adults, we still, even as adults, our kids still come to us for wisdom on things because what happens is there's more life experience, more time in stupidity. You know, we've all, you know, think about it. Your kids are, you know, 20 to 30 years younger than you. You've had more time to be stupid and do stupid things. And we've learned how to navigate out of those stupidity things. So we, and we can tell our kids, hey, mom, dad, we're really stupid. We didn't do this right. And tell them how to, to, to go around that instead of right through it. And, but I think what's missing in life today is correction. We've had, we had this, there's been this model of parenting for the last 20 to 30 years that we don't want to correct our kids because it may hurt their feelings. We give everybody a ribbon and a medal because we don't want little blah, blah, blah to feel left out because they didn't win. So you get a 30th place medal, you know, or whatever it is. Or there's no places, we just give this. Or, you know, you feel like a girl, so you can be a, you can come swim with the girls. Or you can, you feel like a boy today, you can go, you know, whatever. It's, we, we've gotten away from truth and saying, okay, yeah, this dude, he, he, he tripped over himself five times on the field. He, they, they lost. Why do we give them medals? Here's the, the problem is we've coddled and comforted a generation into believing that they can do anything. And then when they get out in the world, they're like, why can't I make $70,000 a year right out of high school or right out of, of college? Because you can't even tie your shoes or feed yourself, but <laughs> let alone do that stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, that's why, that's why we have generations of people wearing Crocs. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm joking. John, I love your Crocs. <laughs> but anyway, I'm just joking. But what we've done is we've coddled the generation into believing that no matter what, they're always going to win. No matter what, it's never going to be hard because mom and dad are going to swoop in and we're going to helicopter and bulldoze and we're going to get everything out of your way. Yeah, Sarah said selfishness and rebellion. And what happens is our children become entitled to what they think they should have. Well, I should have this and I should have that. And no, I'm sorry, we're not. You know, it's like we've got people coming out of college and they're like, well, I have all this debt. Yes, because you have all this debt because you thought you were going to go to college and everybody was going to take care of you and pay for you and it doesn't work that way. Or why can't I have a, uh, this kind of job? Or why can't I have this kind of house? Because you haven't spent the time to earn it. There is something about working for what you have that has been lost in, in the last couple generations of people. Because what happens is, is this, is we've given them so much that they've become physically lazy and we've do done so much for them spiritually, they've become spiritually dead. And I'm not talking just this, you know, these 30 and 20-something-year-olds. I'm talking multiple generations. 
We've done so little for them, done so much for them physically and given them everything. And we've done so little for them spiritually that they become physically or spiritually dead. And we're like, well, why don't my kids serve God? Because we've not given them the opportunity to understand who God is. You know, we look at um, John 10 and Jesus talks about being the good shepherd. The good shepherd doesn't he protects the flock and shelters the flock, but he, what does he do? He do is he still allows the flock to know that there's there's the enemy outside. the The shepherd defends the sheep, but the sheep know that there's an enemy. The sheep know there's an enemy. Well, what's happened in in the last twenty years is we've we've taken the enemy out of the gospel, and the sheep are just prancing through the woods thinking that nothing's going to happen, and then they wonder why bad things happened to them, why the enemy attacked, because you didn't, we didn't tell them that there's an enemy that's hunting and searching for you to drag you to hell. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. So the sheep know, when Jesus is the shepherd, the sheep know that there is the enemy and the wolf is waiting at the gates for them. But Jesus says, I am the sh good shepherd. He leads us, he guides us, he protects us. And as, as parents, our job is to not hide what the enemy is doing, but to shed light on the enemy and what he is doing and teach our children how to deal with the enemy. Our kids cannot live on our faith. Our kids cannot live on our salvation. They cannot get to heaven on our salvation. So it is our job to teach them about the enemy, that he is walking around, waiting to try to drag them off, devour them. And we have to teach them how to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I think, I talked about this a couple weeks ago. We spend so much time at church doing the church thing. And, and oh, nine, we got sick of it. We got sick of being at church all the time going to church for this and going to church for that and going to church for this and, and we're always at church doing church things but we never had actual kingdom mentality, kingdom relationships. It was always the doing of church and doing the things for the church but instead of, of being, being the church and doing what the church was, was meant to do. And I think what happens is this is, yes, we, we tend to sometimes serve man in, instead of, of serving God and serving God why, because of who he is. And so for us, it was like, okay, how do we teach our kids to live in Christ, be in Christ, teach them how to have, sal to have salvation, to come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ instead of us just going to church? And, and what happens is we get tied up and wrapped up in, in doing the church thing, and then our kids get sucked into the vacuum. Uh, a friend of ours, most of you guys know, most of you guys have heard him here, Pastor Leon has come. He said, church can sometimes be a machine and it will eat people up and spit them out. And I don't want your kids and I don't want my kids and my grandkids and any of your kids to be in that machine that's going to eat them up and spit them out. I don't want them to be a, a byproduct of, of you just you just going to church. I want them to be a byproduct of your relationship with Jesus Christ and you teaching them how to have that relationship with Jesus. Showing them how to submit to God, how to, to like Sarah said, sh showing them how to say yes to God when there's poop everywhere. 
when it's dirty and it's nasty and, and life sucks. Our kids should know our voice, but most of all, they should know God's voice. They should, when they hear us speak to them, when they are this tall, they should know that it is our voice, but as they grow, they should know it is the voice of God. You know, it's like babies when they come out of the womb and they hear a, a, a parent talk to them for the first time after they come out of the womb and they just instantly know that voice or they turn their head towards that person because it's like, oh, I know that voice. It just sounds a little bit different now because I'm not floating around. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, well, you want me to use medical terms? I don't know enough of them, so. But the, a, a child will know its parents' voice, and our job is to, for them to know our voice, but then for them to also hear the voice of our Savior, to hear the voice of, of God the Father and, and to have that relationship with Him. But what happens is, is this, is we sometimes have to make choices in our life that are not popular. Um, we've made choices in our life that are not popular, and I, we've been attacked for that. And it's been by family. Our family has, I mean, paragraphs of text saying, oh, you don't like the family anymore, and blah, 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 and you're a good, you're a horrible Christian. I can't believe you stand up in front of them every, I'm like, I'm just not going to have a toxic person who is not fruitful to my family in my life. What happens is, is this, is I don't care if they are a Christian or not, if they are not fruitful to your family, if they are not beneficial to your family, they have a very, we talk about the gate system, the inner circle, the outer circle, and then there's like, you can stand out on the sidewalk, pass the gate and wave to us. That's where those people need to be. You can wave as you go by, but you have to be protective of who is in your circle. We've had family, I'm just like, I don't, you know, like they sent multiple texts and they're like, you don't like this, blah, 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 you do this, this. I said, you know what? I just sent a text back, don't really care. And that was it. I don't have, a, I don't care what you have to say. I, I yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it's only been 40 years, you finally figured that out? I'm like, good grief, take you long enough. Well, dense. Um, but I've had to have people in our own family talk bad about us and people that have been in the church and out of the church and in public talk bad about us. But what happens is this, they're going to do this whether they like you or dislike you. And I think there, there's something to be said about, um, people saying some things to you and be like, well, you're, you just, you just like church too much. Are you just into that Jesus thing? Yeah, I am. That's, that's, a, if you don't like it, get, a, if, if you don't like that, get over it. Um, it's easy to not ha have critics when you don't care what other people that aren't safe for your family have to say. People are so afraid of what people are going to say about me. I made a comment at a restaurant in Gaylord in 2021. This guy, okay, there's this place that 
in Gaylord that I follow. It's a, it's a restaurant. And I said, hey, thank you for being open during this time and keeping your employees having a wage. Some random chick out of nowhere goes to our church site and says, Pastor Matt, of the first words, I was like, first of all, you've never been to our church if you say that. Um, <laughs> and she's like, Pastor Matt's a horrible person and, and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay. I'm like, oh, if you want to say that, that's fine. I'm like, apparently you don't know who we are because no one calls me that. And if you do call me that, you don't belong to our church because no one calls me that. You can call me anything else, but you know. Ah, mercy coined that term how many years ago? Ten years ago? <laughs> yeah, probably. A long time ago. Yeah. But they commented, left a comment on our church, uh, on, our church on Facebook about that. And I, I read it, I'm like, well, I know this person hasn't been to because I just saw her comment on the restaurant saying, you should be closed, blah, 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 you know, spewing her nonsense. And all I did was thank the dude for being open having food prepared for people, and keeping his employees going. And I'm like, okay, you can say what you want. I don't give two craps about what that person has to say. Because why? Because they're not part of the inner circle of people who have influence with me, and they don't even care about what I do. And too many of you are so worried about what other people think about you, and they think bad about you. You're so worried, well, what is this person going to say about me? What is this person going to think? Who cares what they think? If, they, if you are following the will of God for your life and you're, and you're worried about what somebody who is not following the will of God, not in the will of God, is going to say about you, you have fear of man. And we've got to get away from the fear of man into the fear of God of saying, God, I'm going to follow you no matter what man says. I don't care what they will say. Jesus said in 2 Timothy, he says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life will be persecuted. He's saying it's a guarantee. It is a guarantee if you live a godly life and you follow God and you serve God, people are going to be like, I can't believe they said that. I can't believe they go to church every week. You always want to spend time with your church family. Yes, exactly. Because <laughs> my biological crazy. Um, the thing is, is people like that will always want you to compromise your integrity, the integrity of scripture. They will always ask you to be part of what they're doing instead of what God is doing. And they're going to try to use the church against you. I'm not saying you can't have relationships with anybody uh, outside of the church. You need relationships outside of the church. But if they are dangerous to your family, your marriage, and your walk with God, they're probably not going to be good. They're going to use the church against you. Why do you spend so much time at church? Why do you spend so much time with those church, those Christian people? Those, the, why do you like them? You like them more than me. I'm like, yes. <laughs> but Jesus says in Matthew 5.10, it says, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for those are the heirs of the kingdom of heaven. Amen. Think about this. Somebody talks bad about you, don't worry about it. You inherit heaven. Yes. When someone in your family wants to be mean and whatever, vicious about 
whatever you're doing, whatever you're, how you're raising your kids. Well, I don't, I wouldn't do that with my kids. Well, you raised me, so look at me when I was, a, you know, <laughs> like, they're going to say things to you. They're going to, oh, well, why do you always talk about God? Because I love God and I want people to know about him. They're going to talk bad about you, but you get heaven. You are being persecuted for righteousness sake. That means you are being persecuted for the righteousness that God has given to us that makes us holy in front of him, that makes us right before him. They're persecuting you because of that. They're saying, I don't want that righteousness. I don't like the righteousness that you have. And now I'm going to cause problems for you. You're inheriting the kingdom. You're inheriting eternal life and the kingdom of God for being persecuted, for people saying bad things about you, for people trying to come against you. Blessed Blessed are you when people hate you and when they exclude you and revile you and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. I like that it says they exclude you. You ever had part of the family like, well, you guys are just, we do our own thing, but we don't invite you because you're just too, you go to church all the time and we want to do what we want to do. Yeah, I remember that growing up as a kid, we had certain family that would go out, they would like to go out and do certain things. They wanted to do things on Sundays or, well, we, we're going to have our, our party at, at 1030 and, or 11 on Sunday. Well, I, I got church. Well, can't you just skip for the week? No. I have family that every party is on a Sunday at noon. I'm like, I'm not coming. Well, you can just come later. Not coming. Well, can't you just get out early? Yeah. Okay. Sorry, guys. Got a five minutes message for you. I got to get to a family party that I don't want to be at, don't want to see the people, and don't like the food. So go home. I mean, think about it. But, but they're going to do that. They're going to ask you to compromise. Well, can you just, well, just skip church this week and just come with us and go do this with us? And you have, sometimes you just have to say no. Draw that line and say no. This is what we do as a family. And this is what we to, we've told parts of my family. This is what we do as a family. We go to church on Sunday and we're not available till, after, till about one o'clock. Yeah. And, if, and we like those people, kind of. Yeah, we like those people. Do we like those people? Yeah, we, yeah. we like these people, and we like the other people too. But what I'm saying is, is they're going to always ask you to, to interrupt what God is doing to be available for what they want to do. And when you don't, they'll be like, oh, yeah, uh, uh, huff, puff, throw a fit, pout, and then you know, talk bad about you going to church. Just call them up and say, but I get the kingdom. I will lay down anything for the kingdom within reason. Not my family, not my kids, but I will lay down my life for the kingdom. And we can't be worried about what is going to happen to the people around us when they, when they start to, well, why do you always have to go to church? Why do you have to do this? Can't you just skip and come out? We're going to go do this. We're going to stay out. We're going to go out late. We're going to go do this. And you might be hungover, but so you can just skip church that day. No. We draw the line in the sand because what we do as parents 
is ex- if we find it acceptable as a parent, our children will find it acceptable and they'll take it to the next level. They'll take it to another level. So my belief and my hope is that my kids will be a stronger Christian than me when they're my age. And my grandkids will be stronger Christians, not compromising our, our generations down to nothing. But we've, it, well, we've done that. We've compromised generations down to, well, they don't go to church anymore. I don't know if they even believe in God. I'm not going to do that. They're busy. They got a lot of stuff going on in their life. I got a lot of stuff going on in my life. But I make a choice to come for two hours on a Sunday so I can deal with the things of life. They're going to exclude you. They're going to revile you. They're going to talk bad about you. But you inherit the kingdom because of the Son of Man. And then Jesus says it again. He says in Matthew 5.11, he says, Blessed are you when people revile you, persecute you, utter all kinds of evil against you, falsely on my account. Anybody ever said anything, you know, you know, anybody ever had anybody say something false against you? Yes. People will use word curses to, to limit, the enemy will use them to put cursing on you. Well, you just can't do this, or you're not going to be able to do this, or you just are this. We have to look at the people that are speaking into our lives, speaking into our children's lives, and how we speak into our children's lives. It was funny because Lana, we, we had always spoke that Lana was going to graduate early. We knew she was going to, and we had multiple people say, well, that, that's not going to be profitable for her. That's not, well, why would you want to do that? I'm like, shut your mouth, get behind me, Satan. But the thing is, is we spoke what we saw God was doing. And what happens is, is people like to, to, to place a cursing on the people around you in, in your family, whether they realize it or not. We can do it ourselves, but what are we speaking into existence? Because God says that, what? Life and death are in the power of the tongue. It is like a rudder. It will steer your ship. It will direct you. The, the, think about this. The Titanic, massive ship. Rudder, not very big, like six feet. The rudder, think about this. You can get a, you can get a, 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 a huge boat and a small rudder, and it will take that boat on its course or into disaster. And our tongues will do that. Our words will do that. When we start to say things to our kids and speak over our kids and start to speak into the lives of our family and our marriages, we will speak something. We can create a cursing in our own lives. And when what happens is if we allow other people to do that, the influence that they have, and they start to speak into our lives of what our marriage looks like, what our kids look like, what our kids won't do. Some of the people that spoke against what she was doing were some of the closest people that should have been cheering her on. Should have been like, yes, go, do it, graduate early, get your college degree early. You go, girl! But they weren't. They're like, I don't understand why you would want to do that. Or why would that be profitable? Not, there's probably not benefit to that. I'm like, I, if I wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit, I would slap the Spirit out of you right now. Yeah, she, yeah at, at that point, at that point, when the person that said that to us about her, I was like, we looked at each other and we said, we're done. No, we're done. And it was done. Done, done. Not like, oh, maybe. No, done, done. You have no room and no 
voice to speak into our lives when you do that. Sometimes, as parents, we have to be the shepherd, and what do we do? We get the rod out, and we beat off the wolves and chase off the wolves because they are coming for us and they're coming for your family. And sometimes we look mean to the people that we have to say, no, you're not allowed. But what we're doing is we're saying, you know what, this area right here is a safe area for my family, for my marriage, for our family to grow. Yeah. And then they'll use the, I thought you were a Christian. I thought you were supposed to be loving and kind. You're lucky I didn't get the whip out and start chasing you out. <laughs> that, that, but that is true. We've, we've wussified Jesus as just some nice guy that likes to braid hair and wear a flower and, and talks about love. But you really don't, if you look at Jesus, he, wasn't, he was a loving man who said, I love you, but you got to change. I love you, but you're going to have to change. I love you, but go and sin no more. We're blessed with, we're blessed when people make fun of us for serving God. When they talk bad about us, and when they try to bring evil into our life, we're blessed for that because we have the ability to tap into the, the Holy Spirit and say, okay, show me where it's coming from. Show me where I need to change. Show me how I need to protect my family. And sometimes it's not, you're not going to have a popular uh, group of people. Sometimes you're going to be pushed out of groups that you've been in for years. And um, I'm sorry, it's going to happen. But if they're willing to push you out because you take a stand for righteousness, godly kingdom values, it wasn't worth having that relationship. It wasn't worth having that relationship. I'm not saying push everybody out. I'm not saying build walls on everybody, but there's some times where the gate's shut and locked, the front door's locked and deadbolted, and when something knocks, you, you walk up and go, hi, how can I help you? And there's times where you say, okay, wall has to go up for this. There's a gate at the wall. You can come to the wall and say, hey, prove you're not dangerous to my family, prove you're not dangerous to my marriage, prove you're not dangerous to what God is calling me to do, and then we can have that discussion. But they will, they will say things about you. They will try to cause seeds of discord in your family, in your children, and they will say things about you, speak things about you, try to cause cursing in your life because they don't like what you're doing and they're jealous of you or they're angry with you so you know what? Don't worry about it. You inherit the kingdom. You inherit the kingdom. I, I, I can't think of anything better. It'd be like, oh, well, you know, if, if God was like, well, you know, you have to go through all of this. People are not going to like you, and you get a 1976 Toyota Corolla. No, no, nope, sorry, not going to do it. But we get the kingdom. We inherit everything that is in the kingdom is ours. That makes it worth it. That makes it worth it standing up and saying, no, not today, not ever, not safe. Let's pray.